Welcome to Grayson 30 on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. This is Ed Mellick, and I'm joined by my co-host Sal Dietry. Sal, how are you today? Ed, I'm doing well, my man. How, uh, how's it going? You feeling it tonight, man? Are you ready? Who's in our Grace Army tonight, my friend? Well, we've got uh, Jason Hershey here. Several years ago, Jason felt called to establish a place of continual 24 by 7 worship and praise in Washington, D.C. He was inspired by King David, who 3,000 years ago pitched a tent near his palace and hired more than 4,000 worshipers to offer praise to the Lord continually through his 33-year reign, making worship central to his nation and bringing blessings to it as a result. David's tent, as it's known, has been operating continually for over one year now in the heart of Washington, D.C. Jason joins us to talk about the purpose behind it and to issue a call for our nation to turn to the only true source of strength and help in these difficult times. Jason, welcome to Grace and 30. Yeah, thank you. It's great to be here with you. Welcome, Jason. So, you know, let me set the stage for listeners. This is a tent, right? This yeah. is an unair conditioned, pretty much unheated tent, cold of night, winter, rain, snow, heat, humidity. You guys are down there in this tent. Right. It is yeah. actually a physical tent outside. On the Mall of Washington, D.C., at the corner of 17th and Constitution, Northwest. It's at a little plaza called Constitution Gardens Plaza, just across the street from the Washington Monument. And just to set the record straight, very hot in the summer. We do have fans in there, but it's very hot in the summer. But in the winter, we do we do have a heater in there in the winter that helps take some of the bite off of the cold. It doesn't get it up to like a toasty 72 degrees Fahrenheit or anything like that. But it does definitely get it up a little bit that it isn't like we're completely outside of the winter. Yeah, I want to place listeners right in that tent tonight through this whole conversation. Because as I was thinking about this show and the idea of being in a tent, you know, Ed, you can't hide in a tent. No, you can't. You can't. I mean, people, look, you can hide in a pew, you can hide in a in a mega church, in a, in a big church full of statues, but you really can't hide in a tent. And that's what's so real about this story, is what people are doing in this tent. They're just offering themselves up. They're real. They're making it happen. Um, why, why David's tent? What's, what's going on with all this? What's the purpose behind this? Yeah, well, uh, it was mentioned earlier as we opened up the show, but King David in the Bible... Um, while he was king in Israel, he had hired 4,000 musicians and 288 singers. They were full-time employed by King David in watches around the clock, and their job was to sing to God as a blessing to him continuously 24-7. And so, in like manner, you know, in the Bible, in biblical history of ancient Israel, the reign of King David to this day are still the golden years of that nation, and of all the nations that's highlighted in the Bible, that nation of Israel was the one nation highlighted more than the rest, and that was the golden years of that nation. So we just think there's a correlation there that a nation that honors God will, in fact, be blessed, and that would be the golden years of that nation. So what, you know, as I understand it, 24 hours a day, at least for the past 400-plus days, there's been people in this tent praying, offering uh, praise to God. Is that true? I mean, how do you get people 24 hours a day, seven days a week for 400 days? Because there's a lot of things in D.C. I got to give it to you. People will show up. A couple hundred thousand people will show up for a day or two and they'll do something and then they go back home. And it's not the sort of permanent thing that you're doing. How do you get people there for 24 hours a day, seven days a week, over 400 days in a row now? Yeah, you know, we have we have a voluntary staff of about 40 people. 
uh, that have actually moved here to Washington, D.C., some are from the local area here, the DMV, uh, but many have come in from, from around the nation to staff this full-time. But in addition to those 40, there's over, been over 500 churches, worship leaders with their worship teams that have signed up for two-hour watches over the past year. So they've come from any different uh, ethnic, any different uh, uh, musical style. All 50 uh, states. Denominations of the churches, all 50 states. But the common heartbeat with everybody is we love Jesus. We love him. We've encountered him with our lives. Our lives are changed because of him. And we're here to sing a love song back to him because of it. And people are coming in off the street, obviously into the tent. Everyone is welcome. And so... um, let me take a little different track. What, what, uh, who are you seeing coming into David's tent? I mean, are, are there people who come in looking for who are in need? They're offering praise, but also, you know, people who are, are curious, people who have need. You know, there's a lot of people who flow through the District of Columbia. We got politicians, we have street people, we have tourists, we have, you know, everyday workers. I mean, who are some of the folks who are coming into David's tent outside of the, the prayer groups that you have coming in there? Who's, who's coming into the tent? All of those that you just listed, uh, we have we have some of the homeless uh, population of DC that will come regularly. They'll come instead of going to the homeless shelter, they'll come and they'll spend time at David's tent for the for the for the evening through the night, and and actually several of them we've gotten to know as friends of our community as just coming and hanging out with us. One of my favorite stories is last winter. It was around midnight in in January, and there was a girl that was walking down the mall. And she stumbled into David's tent in the middle of the night. She heard the music and she was drawn to it. And our staff were, ended up praying with her, praying for her. And she decided for the first time in her life that she was going to follow Jesus for the, and, and give her life to the Lord. And after she prayed with our staff, she opened up her journal and she showed our staff that earlier that morning, she had written in her journal, this is the last day of my life. She was planning to commit suicide that night, but the last thing before the end of the day, she decided to take one last, she was chronicling her last day in her journal, her every move. And at midnight, the grace of the Lord Jesus leads her into this little prayer tent out in the middle of, of the mall. She finds Jesus. She's weeping as the love of God has, is touching her heart. And she has a whole new purpose and place in life because she met the Lord. This is what I mean by you can't hide in a tent, Ed. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's real. Look, I mean, which, you know, this is like maybe an emergency room for people's souls. But at the same time, uh, imagine being present for that. Again, you're, you're not in the 50th pew in some big, big church just sort of going along. And, and you're right there with these people when you're involved in David's tent. And, and I would encourage people in D.C. and I need to get my my behind down there and Ed, i know you've been to david's tent yourself you know to go in there and see some of these you know experience this this is the realness of god's mercy this is the realness of grace uh it's not in some book somewhere this is this is hands-on grace as i like to call it inside david's tent i mean ed what was your experience you were in there you went to david's tent and so did our first guest milton brown by the way yeah well i was going to mention that uh i've been down a few times and and prayed with the team down there i've been going through some pretty serious things personal things right now my uh ex-wife who i love dearly is is has a very serious illness she's uh fighting so i've been down with the staff down there it's wonderfully welcoming and it's a 
It's just a great environment. And our first guest on the show was a gentleman named Milton Brown, who had struggled with addiction for 37 years and then was homeless for four years. He goes there quite often. He really, he really enjoys. He works a night shift. And he'll get off the night shift and he'll head over to David's tent. Yeah, that's is, right. Which is really cool. I, I do want to make uh, just a note that that Jason wrote a book, which I read, uh, called David's Tent. It's an excellent book, sort of chronicling the journey and the purpose of what he's doing here. That's not a very original title, though. I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what I wanted to ask you next is that um, there were a couple previous incarnations of the tent, correct? You correct. did something in 2013 and 14. And uh, you, you had to get encountered some, some obstacles, some really significant obstacles. Actually, it's just absolutely fascinating that you got approval to do such a thing down on the mall yeah. three different times. The first time for 40 days and then for 50 and then for now it's a 424 days, which has been extended. Tell us about some of the, you know, what happened, how you got approved and then some of the resistance you met and, and how you got to where we are today. Yeah, well, we, we didn't think it was possible. Uh, actually, our first year was in 2012. And so 2012, 2013, 2014, we did it for 40 days in the fall, just a, a finite time, 40 days. And uh, the first year, we didn't think it would be possible to do it on the mall area, but we knew that King David had his, his worship tent in the capital city. So we thought anywhere in D.C., we knew that Occupy D.C., the Occupy Wall Street movement, they had camped out at McPherson Square for a while, just north of the White House. So we actually went to the Park Service saying, hey, do you think we could put up a tent in McPherson Square to worship Jesus for 40 days? And they actually suggested to us, they said, why don't you do it at the White House Ellipse, right by the Christmas tree, right behind the White House? We thought, all right, yeah, let's <laughs> do it like, there. What? <laughs> <laughs> so, and we love that because actually King David's tabernacle was right beside his palace. And so we just thought it was super poetic that we would be right there uh, by the White House. But then the challenges came the fact that we are so close to the White House, just working with the, Se the Secret Service, working with the Park Service to make sure that we can honor the regulations, honor the security concerns of that area of Washington, D.C., was severely challenging. But I found that actually, if you're just willing to talk things out, be patient and honor, that anything can really happen if you're willing to be flexible and be patient. That's grace right there. And so they were willing to work with you to make this happen. Absolutely. We have that, a great relationship with the National Park Service, great relationship with the Secret Service. And we are, we, and, but I think some of it is just simply like if there are moments that the Secret Service or the Park Service needs us to, to move to a different location or do things differently because of certain concerns that come up, we say, yeah, no problem. Uh, as long as we can keep worshiping our Jesus. That's perfectly fine with us. Yeah, that's when the first time I came to the tent, you guys were on, I think, Constitution and Fourth, and it was just after the Fourth of July. Mm -hmm. So you had to move just for about a week during the, the celebration, and then you moved back. Um, but you did you did encounter some challenges. I mean, I, I, I wrote some things down here. You know, access to electricity, turf protection, uh, sprinkler system. You know, oh, yeah. going off <laughs> on the tent, uh, the access lit, sixty yeah. forty rule, no heating. I mean, you did have challenges. Yeah, we question. did. Yeah, if this were Arlington County, you'd still be in the, with the planning commission. You wouldn't. No. There'd be no tents. <laughs> still waiting for your business license. But but I just remember on page sixty six of the book, you know, you, you you talked about how you'd done some prayer and some fasting. Absolutely. And then all of a sudden, it was you know sort of like the, the greatest about face ever. After all these challenges, these sort of practical things you were trying to deal with, it all came into alignment, and you were able to put the the tent on the ellipse. It really did. It was honestly, we had worship teams that had booked plane tickets coming in from around the nation, staff were arriving, and we didn't have our permit yet the first year. 
And we were still haggling over, like, will the Park Service turn off the sprinklers? Or in the middle of the night, are we going to have sprinkler heads coming up out of the ground and hosing down all the sound equipment, you know? <laughs> uh, but it was crazy because, again, we just were patient. We talked it out. And in the end, it was like three or four days before we were starting. Everything went through, and we were able to start on time, and everything worked out fine. It sounds like you have a better relationship with the Secret Service than the president does. <laughs> <laughs> so so the, the current approval you had gotten for the current tent, you, you started on uh, 9-11, 2015. Correct. And you were, you were scheduled to run through Election Day. Uh, 2016 and I guess November the 8th yeah two weeks from now and you've gotten an extension correct correct at this point we're we're extending into perpetuity into the future Um, the Catholic Church has has this 24-7 prayer and worship is nothing new Uh, the Catholic Church has been doing it for years they call it perpetual adoration actually side note the longest prayer meeting continuous running in the United States is a group of Catholic sisters in La Crosse Wisconsin that have been praying for 137 years, continuous, day and night. You know, you bring something up here to, to my generation into the millennials. I, growing up, and I grew up, I mean, I am Catholic. I remember my grandmother and, and women and men of her age going and sleeping in churches and praying until they would literally fall asleep. Yeah. And, and and pray all night, wake up. I mean, these there were these women, these hardworking steelworkers who would give up, you know, their weekends to travel maybe a couple hours to these to these places where people would come together and they would literally just sleep in these hard church pews and pray all night. That's what they did. And it, and it, we've lost a little bit of that, you know. Oh, I, we've we've lost a lot of that. Yeah. Um and, and it's it's, you know, you, you read stories in the scripture about people, you know, really godly people that were in the temple day and night praying. Yeah. That is very rare, but but there are encouraging things like what you're doing, uh, Jason with the tent and also my my daughter is up in Brooklyn going to college and she goes to a church called Remnant Westside Church in Manhattan, and they've got a 24-7 prayer thing going on right now. These are young people who are, they'll get up, you know, at 12 or 1 o'clock and get on the metro, or they'll take an Uber That's right. downtown, and they'll pray, and they're in the middle of a, a one-week 24-by-7 a prayer thing. So there, there seems to be, you know, as one would call, a remnant of people that are really serious about their faith and, and pressing in on God and doing this. So it's, it's, it's incredibly encouraging. Um, Jason, let's just take a, a brief break. I'm going to take a couple moments just to do a station identification. You're listening to Grace in 30 on WERA LP Arlington 96.7 FM. We're talking with Jason Hershey, who felt called to establish a worship tent that has been operating continually 24 by 7 in the heart of Washington, D.C. for over one year now. Tell us a little bit more about the book. Um, you know, it, there's some passages in here you talk about, you know, David's tent you know, is about, you know, Jesus in, in individuals, in all of us, in our nation, not necessarily in some throne in heaven. And that's where I get back to this idea of this tent. You know, you can't hide in a tent, right? It gets real when you're that close with people. Uh, tell us a bit about uh, some things in the book. You talk about your, your daughter sort of being worthy of, you know, the affection, but, you know, how many of, of us sort of turn away just to our neighbors and things like that. Tell us some things out of the book, your favorite passages or some things that... Uh, you'd like to speak with us about. Yeah, you bet. You know, the, the, the whole heart of day and night worship and prayer, like you have to wonder, like, why would these, these women stay up at church late at night and fall asleep in the pews? Like, like, what is the devotion of their life that would cause somebody to do that? And, and the same question we get asked that at David's tent all the time, like, what 
Like, why are you doing this? Like, what are you trying to accomplish by doing this? And I say, you know, it's, it's much the same as if you're walking down the street, you know, walking down the sidewalk, if you would see a $100 bill laying on the ground, you're going to stop and pick it up because of its worth. And the same is true as if you, like how many of us, when there's a beautiful sunset, will actually like elbow our buddy and be like, hey, check that out. Like, th like there's something about beauty that causes us to, to look, to stop and to stare. And so really the, the heart of David's tent before above anything else is simply the worthiness of Jesus. He's the most beautiful, attractive, generous, loving, forgiving, merciful, gracious being in the whole universe. And when we take time to worship him and to meditate upon who he is and the glory of who he is, that invokes a response in us. And that's why we sing day and night forever and ever. And what I love about this is, you know, this idea of, of focus, of getting the mind away from social media, Facebook, the World Series, work, the kids' soccer, you know, and, and spending some time just in reflection and prayer and how many of us do that? And that's one of the things going to this tent, I think, is an opportunity for anyone in the D.C. area to do that. And, and that is desperately needed, I think, in, in terms of bringing focus to people's lives, especially here in the D.C. area where everyone is so busy. So how do people do that? I mean, it, it, one could say, you know, if I go outside and I see an amazing sunset, that's an obvious thing. It's a physical, real thing to me. How do people come to know Christ better so that they, they can express, they can, this, this, this sort of natural adoration and worship and praise comes out of them. Yeah, you know, for every single person, the journey of knowing God is different. It's learning to uh, first to start talking to Him. You know, I have, I have a friend that it was, it was their testimony that they were sitting on the edge of their bed one day and they said, God, if you're real, you must be able to speak to me. And and they asked him a question, and sure enough, it, like not with their audible ears, but inside their heart, they heard a response in the in their like in their inner man. And a couple of days later, um, again, just as they were exploring their faith, uh, they were they were lost in a foreign country, and they didn't have to go back to their hotel. And so they said, "Well, God, if you're if you're real." then you must be able to speak to me in my heart and, and, and show me the way back. And sure enough, they just kept hearing right, left, straight. And before long, there was their hotel straight in front oh, of them. That's, that's and that, cool. from that day forward, it was, we believe in Jesus. We know he's real. We know he talks to us and he's out for a relationship with us. So I think some of it is just learning to talk to God and in faith, go ahead and begin to ask him questions and see if he doesn't give an answer. Yeah, I, I say that to people when I when I talk to them about faith, and and I just say, hey, look, if there's one tenth of one percent of a chance <laughs> that God is real, you know, if you're sitting in a room alone one night, just simply say a quiet prayer. Say, I've heard something from someone that sounds pretty fantastic, sounds pretty wonderful. You know, if you're really there, show me. Just ask, and and He will answer if it's heartfelt and genuine like that. Um, I do want to make sure we talk a little bit about some of the stories of some of the worship teams that come in, and, and, and I loved in the book how you talked about, there was an expression called the humility of the night watch. You talked yeah. about, you know, at 3 a.m. in the tent, you know, it's 15 degrees out, there's a group that traveled from North Carolina or something, they're performing for two hours, there's hardly anyone else in the tent, and yet there's, a, there's sort of a specialness to that time, and I was hoping maybe you'd talk a little bit about that and maybe talk about one or two different groups that have come in and you really felt something, you know, amazing happening. 
Yeah, you know, the humility of the Night Watch is we live in a, in a rock and roll, stage up front, perform for man world. In the middle of the night, it's just you and God out there on the mall. I mean, you might as well be in a cow field in Texas, really. There's, there's no one else out there. Actually, DC can get very quiet in the middle of the night. It's shockingly how quiet it can be out on the mall. Um, at two or three o'clock in the morning, especially on a winter night. And especially on a winter night. That's that's correct. And but we have found the testimony, the stories of all of our staff and even the worship teams that have come in from out of town, that there's something special about the night watch. That that, that there's like a spiritual experience that happens where the Holy Spirit comes and people can feel his closeness and his nearness in the middle of the night. And I think it's simply because it's in those moments, it's not about man. It's not about people that are walking around. It really is just for the Lord. Yep. Yep. So so what about some of the groups that have come in? I I, I read a story about, um, you know, a gospel choir that was performing on a from 9 to p.m. on a very, very cold night and how, you know, how wholeheartedly they were singing. And there's hardly anybody in the tent. And uh, you mentioned a specific about a North Carolina worship team, and it came up on a very rainy, windy, muddy, smelly day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and performed. And yet what, you know, how it kind of lifted everybody that was there. You know, any, any favorite moments like that that you'd like to share? You know, I think as far as a broad stroke, we have seen – worship teams, anything from a Mennonite hymn sing, where it's literally calling out the number of the next hymn, to like major like rock and roll songs for Jesus and anything in between. Um, just two weeks ago, we had a 300-person Baptist choir come from a large church in Texas. Wow. They came to David's tent. They packed the tent out. They took up the whole tent and even standing outside. And for two hours as a whole choir, they made a trip the whole way up to D.C. from Texas to sing to God for two hours at David's tent. This is not a world record for how many people you can fit in a tent or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, so, so many can we fit in a phone booth, you know? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so they were jamming. They were jamming. Um, one of my favorite stories is this, uh, this past year, uh, we don't, we, we're scheduling bands constantly, scheduling worship teams from around the nation. And we very rarely have we made a mistake, but there was one Saturday afternoon where we double booked the same time slot with a band from California and a band from, from North Carolina. And so... They never met each other before, these two bands. We had to have, they both traveled in from out of state. What are we going to do? It was a legitimate mistake by our staff. And we owned it. Like we met with them both as they were arriving. We said, we, we are so sorry. And the two groups looked at each other and they said, why don't we just meld our bands together and do this together? They, so they did. They had such a good time that we heard later that they went home. And a couple, like a month or two later, the group from North Carolina actually flew out to California so they could do it again together with that church. They could have another worship time together um, back home. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, it really is. And so instead of turning into a, a battle of the bands, it was you know more of a cooperative thing. The Absolutely. Next, we the, both love Jesus. Let's do this together. Yeah, the next Hillsong United uh, formed right there at the tent. Yeah, th <laughs> this is great. I mean, I, I would love to have been there with 300 people in this tent. Just the, the energy of this place. And as you talk about... Again, you're just exposed to it, whether it's where the solitude, the peace of it, the energy. I mean, I mean, it's a beautiful thing at any time of the day or night. Ed, we got to get down there, man. Oh well, I've been I, I got to get down times, there. Yeah. yeah, you've been there. All right, all right, all right. All right. <laughs>
I had a question down here because I, I, you know, reading through the book, I thought a lot about the gospel, and and you know, I, I've I've read various commentaries, and one says that the word gospel means the almost too good to be true news, mm. and I, I just thought, you know, can you share with the audience, you know, your understanding of the gospel, just so we make sure we touch on that before we we go off the air. Yeah, you know, a lot of the Eastern religions have a sense of karma. Like if you do good things in your life, then good things will happen to you. If you do bad things in your life, bad things will happen to you. And in some degree, that's actually true. Um, and the question is like, which one of us, if we're honest, like which one of us could make the case that we have acted unselfishly every moment of our entire lives? You know, if, no we're, <laughs> if we're honest, all of us should receive the bad karma, you know? But so we have an understanding that everyone is in need of forgiveness. Everyone is in need of grace, and we find that in the cross of Jesus Christ, where he actually took the penalty, he took our bad karma upon himself, so that we could then have as a free gift eternal life, walking in, re in a relationship with the Lord. And so, we all need forgiveness, we all need healing. You know, the, the Bible says that the cross of Calvary is actually good for the healing of even our physical bodies. We've had people get healed, get up out of wheelchairs at David's tent. We've had arthritis healed. We had this one girl that had arthritis in her knee. She walked into the tent. Nobody even prayed for her. But as soon as she walked underneath the canopy of the tent, she felt a warm sensation in her knee and she started testing it. And she's like, ah, Jesus just healed my knee. And so we just, we found that, you know, if Christianity is real, it has to be real. That's <laughs> if, right. If Jesus is actually the true living God, he has to be true, he has to be living, and he has to be alive to heal our bodies, to forgive us of our sins, and to release his grace notes into our life that we could find abundant life in him. You, you uh, mentioned in your book, you talk about, you know, an intercession for America. Are you looking to start tents in other cities, Pittsburgh, New York, you know, wherever. I mean, you're looking to sort of expand this to have these other small communities uh, in other cities? Absolutely. We'd like to see a David's Tent go up in every major intersection of the United States. Times Square, uh, you know, Chicago, wherever it is, we would like to see. And, and honestly, the unity of it is that like ch churches all over New York City would come together each giving their worship team to take a couple of hours so that New York City could do a David's Tent in Times Square. So we definitely, we don't necessarily want to be governmentally over it, but we would like to see other cities, even just by the power of suggestion of, hey, let's do this in New York City. Let's do this in Los Angeles. Let's do this in Dallas. Let's call the churches of Dallas together and lift up Jesus like never before and see what happens. So, as usual, the, the interview flies by. We've got about a minute and a half uh, left for you. Um, we issue, try to issue a call to action every time we have a guest, and, and we'd like you to, you know, it can be one or two things, maybe something directed at everybody listening sure. and then something more specific. But please, uh, what would you like to, to issue that call for, for our listeners? Yeah, well, if, if, you know, curiosity has been sparked into you tonight, just go to the website, uh, davidstentdc.org you can read a whole lot more about King David there's a video on there explaining just exactly what he did um, but also if you're listening and you're from a church here in the DMV area I just want to encourage you like we want your worship team to come and sign up for one of those two hour slots and I think finally hey we live in a 24-7 culture if you wake up in the middle of night you want to get a burger you can go down the street to McDonald's if you wake up in the middle of the night and you're hungry for God come down to the tent 
it's always open and Jesus is always ready to meet with you. Especially at 3 a.m. That's yeah. right. <laughs> I love that. I love it. Yeah. It, it. Anything else you'd like to share? About 15 to 30 seconds. You know, I could say personally that Jesus has changed my life. And if there was somebody more generous and more loving and more merciful, I would worship them, but there isn't. And it's because of that that I worship Jesus. And I would encourage everybody in this nation and around the world to focus on the Lord, and you'll see that He's the best. Amen. That, wow. That's a, what a great way to end this show. Um, Jason, thank you so much. Um, we, you know, I, I will get down to the tent, and, and I promise to drag Ed down there yet one more time. Uh, look, we appreciate your passion, your commitment. Um, for listeners who want to find out more about David's Tent, please visit the website at davidstentdc.org. That's davidstentdc.org. Or visit our site at graceand30.com. We'll be posting more information on our Facebook and Twitter pages at Grayson30. A recording of this show will be found on the Grayson30 website and WERA.FM 24 hours after the show is aired. Ed, who do we got next week? Well, next week we got uh, J- uh, Judy Hijikata from the Communications Director of the Reading Connection. Um, they, they're one of the best small charities in Washington, D.C., helping improve the odds of success for at-risk children developing a love of reading. Uh, running out of time, this is Ed and Sal signing off from Grayson 30 on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. Have a great day and be sure to tune into Grace. Good night.